If you have found Mark chapter 7, why don't you stand please? We'll read together God's Word. Mark chapter 7, I'm going to carry you, join me there in verse 24. It's not a very long passage. It is an unusual. Like you're not sure if you're a preacher, you read that and you think, I'm not sure what to do with that. You'll see what I mean when we go through it. Grass withers and the flowers fade with the word of our God. Let's begin verse 24. <clears throat> and from there he rose and he went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He entered a house and he did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She answered, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. He said to her, for this statement, you may go your way and the demon, it has left your daughter. She went home. She found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Join me as we pray. Father, we ask you now to strengthen our faith. Give us genuine faith. We recognize that Faith is a gift, and we are asking you to give it to us. Help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> a year ago this week, I was with a group of people from Hickory Grove. We were in the United Kingdom. I know it was a year ago because Facebook gives you memories. That's how I know. Which, if you've been on Facebook very long, uh, you see all of these memories, some of them good, some of them bad, some of the pictures you wish you had never posted. Showed up and told me that a year ago, we were in London, England. First day of that trip, we landed in the British Museum. Have you ever been to the British Museum? I had not. It was my first time. The British Museum has the largest most expansive display of historical artifacts in the world. We spent a few hours there. You could spend a month. You could spend a month in the British Museum and still not plumb the depths of the historical riches. One of the things that caught my eye and I was most fascinated with in a prominent display case were the artifacts from the Sutton Who burial ship. See that mask there? Sutton Who burial ship. Nobody really knows, was that a king's burial? All kinds of gold coins and swords and belt buckles. Discovered in 1939, <clears throat> this dig, and you can look it up if you want to sometime, just do it after church. This provides a little bit of a window 
just a window into the 6th and 7th and 8th century Anglo-Saxon England. At that time, the island country is turning once again from paganism, turning slowly toward Christianity. That dig shows the pivot. It's there on display in the British Museum. It is there on display to remind us and to remind all of England's citizens where they came from. In similar fashion, the man named Mark who wrote this book, who got his information from Peter, Mark writing to Christians in Rome, Greek-speaking Christians that have no Jewish background. He's reached into his story and he's given us something, a narrative of an unnamed woman. And he's telling his Roman readers, this religion is not just for Jews, for Gentiles. This story is a puzzling one. I've been wrestling with it all week. I've read it front ways and back ways and every kind of way you can come up with. It's a puzzling story that Mark has put here for us to read in his narrative. Matthew has it too. He tells it in a Jewish way. Mark tells it in a very Gentile way. This nameless pagan woman and her remarkable encounter with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So, you, you know this. When you come upon a story like this, <clears throat> yeah, you start asking questions. What do you do? with this. Why did Mark put this story here? Why is it in chapter 7? Why in this point in the narrative? What is he trying to tell us about Jesus? What is he trying to tell us about this woman? What is he trying to tell us about ourselves? What does this say about the gospel? Why has God given this to us? On a Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, Look, if you chose to come to the 8 o'clock service this morning, be glad because it's going to start raining about noon. People looking at their watches, when the rain starts falling, I can just keep preaching. Why did God put this here? What are we supposed to learn? When I read this, I see her, it's like Mark has lifted up this woman to say, look, look at her. We are reminded that Faith, here's how I want to title it, faith in Jesus is never wasted. Your faith in Jesus is never wasted. Let's go back to the story. Let's just go through it. It's not very long. Let's just pick out a few artifacts and look at them, then come back and maybe make some application. I'll have two points to make when we get done. Granted, one of those points is lots of subpoints, but two points. Join me back in the story in verse 24. And from there he arose. From where? We don't know. Maybe Peter's house, possibly Capernaum, but he needed to get away. There he arose and he went away on a retreat. It is interesting that he goes into a pagan land for his retreating. He went to the region called Tyre and Sidon. <clears throat> Tyre and Sidon, it's an old two cities, 
It's an old region. We see it several times in the Old Testament. Jezebel is from there. They're ancient enemies. Jerome tells us they are ancient. Or Josephus tells us they're ancient enemies of Israel. Tyre is. Tyre inside in Acts chapter 12, uh, that's where Herod is struck dead. Tyre. It's where Jesus goes. Get away from everybody. Maybe people won't know him there. When Mark told us chapter 3, people started talking about him in Tyre and Sidon. He went into somebody's house. We don't know whose house it is. He goes into a house. He didn't want anybody to know, yet he couldn't be hidden. There's a woman there in town. We don't know her name. She is a desperate woman. Verse 25 tells us that this woman immediately, uh, whose little daughter had an unclean spirit. This is not a Jewish background. This is a pagan background. They worship pagan gods. It could have been any of those. Her daughter is filled with this unclean spirit. She doesn't know what to do. She's heard the tales of Jesus, so she goes to where he is. She fell down. The King James used to translate it. She worshiped. We get a little description for Mark. Mark for his readers. Remember, there is an audience that got this for the first time. They are living in Rome. There are church there. They don't have a Jewish background. And here is Mark telling the Gentile believers, hey, you were part of the plan from the beginning. Here's a foreshadowing of God reaching the Gentiles. So he tells them in verse 26, <clears throat> now this woman was a Gentile. Is that rain? Let's go with it, all right? Let's keep preaching. This woman was a Gentile, he tells us. She was a Syrophoenician by birth. What does that mean? That means that uh, Phoenician means that it's in Lebanon, in Syria. It's controlled by Syria. So Syrophoenician, that's her region by birth. We know she's Gentile, that is, she's speaking Greek. She has no Jewish background. A Syrophoenician by birth. And she is begging Jesus, take the demon away from her daughter. If you ever had a child that's strayed, if you ever spend any time praying for someone, you know the burden, you ever had a sick child, you, you feel that burden of this woman, regardless of her religion. She begged him to cast the demon out. Verse 27, I been puzzled all week. Why would Jesus talk like this to this woman? Any way you cut it, Jesus said to her, <clears throat> let the children be fed first. He's obviously talking about the Jews, Israel. He is the Messiah, Jewish Messiah. He has come to fulfill all of the Jewish scriptures. Even Paul will say in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to the Jew first and the Gentile. So he says to her, let the children be fed first. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. There's no way that's not insulting. Any way you stack it. I've looked at lots of commentaries and there are people trying to say, well, it wasn't being insulting. 
I mean, he didn't use the, there are two words for dog in Greek. He didn't use the one word that uh, would mean this feral junkyard dog that you might find uh, at the dump. There is another word that means like a house pet, but that's still, I mean, that maybe takes some of the poison out, but it's, it's still not an uplifting thing. It's clear that there's God's chosen people, you're outside of God's chosen people. And I've come as Messiah to fulfill what God has planned all along. And her answer is a confession of faith. And the woman said, in verse 28, Yes, Lord. First time, only time, only time. In the entire gospel of Mark, the only person to ever call Jesus Lord is this woman. The whole gospel. Yes, Lord. After being, there's no, way to, there's no way to interpret what Jesus said without it having at least some derogatory. She hears that is not. Yes, Lord. Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumb. There's enough bounty on God's table that when the children are eating and the crumbs drop down, the dogs underneath are getting some of that bounty. Yes, Lord. Even they get to eat. He said to her, for this statement, for this confession of faith, the fact that you've jumped over these hurdles, for this statement, you may go your way instantaneously. Don't you wonder, when did it happen? This is the only long-distance healing in the entire book of Mark, the only time where Jesus healed someone from long distance. And what's remarkable, remarkable about this, we don't even know when it happened. He just thought it. It's remarkable to me. He said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. She went home. She found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. That's remarkable. So I want to take a look at this woman because she obviously has been put in front of us to be on display. We've obviously, Mark is lifting her up and saying, look at her faith. I want to look at the woman and then we come back and uh, look at Jesus. Here's the first point. Remember, only two points. Here's the first one. Number one, Jesus honors genuine faith. Jesus honors genuine faith. Let's go, go back to the text. Verse 25, we find out something. What about this faith? Well, here is uh, the first sub point. Faith has a foundation. Faith has a foundation. You need to have something to believe in. What is it that causes faith? Where does it come from? What is it placed in? We find in verse 25, that the woman whose little daughter had, been, had an unclean spirit, she had heard, heard of him. She knew something about this person. Mark chapter 3 tells us that in Tyre and Sidon, people were hearing about Jesus. They were talking about his power. There has to be some sort of foundation for faith, and for her, it was hearing. Somebody talking about it. 
Now, we don't know what all she knew about Jesus. We are on this side of the crucifixion and resurrection. She was on that side. We don't know what she heard. We do know that she heard something, and what she heard prompted her to go to Jesus. I just want to stop and talk to those of you that are Christians right now. You're, you're already a Christian. <clears throat> the, the more you know about Jesus, the more you will trust and believe and follow and devote yourself to Christ. You need more church, not less. You need more Bible, not less. You need more good theology, not less. Our community around us needs more people talking about Jesus so they can hear and come. This woman, she had a foundation to her faith. She had heard. Let me give you something else in verse 25. We'll move quickly. <clears throat> faith is not only have a foundation. Faith is worshipful. Faith is worshipful. Do you see her there in verse 25 when she gets in front of Jesus Immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit, she heard of him. She came and she fell down at his feet. It was expressive. If you had the Greek word, the Greek word is proskuo. It is the word for worship. It means to get low before Jesus. I feel our, our worship experience on Sunday mornings evolving in some degree, and I hope that it will continue to evolve in a really good way and that that evolution is, is expressive. It is you engaged. It's us singing songs that are glorifying to God. It's not a performance, but it's you and I together congregationally. I think, I think worship should be expressive. It should be involved. It should be engaging. It should be directed. Her worship is directed at Jesus. It is her getting low before Jesus. It is what John the Baptist said. I'm, I am not worthy to unlatch your sandal. In our context, in our context, worship looks uh, in primarily two ways. Worship shows up personally. It shows up corporately. Personally, corporately. Worship is, is personally, it happens when you and I spend some time with God in the mornings or in the afternoons or in the evenings with God's word, we find out more about God. It's feeding our soul. We're confessing our sins. We're growing as Christians. It needs to happen personally. But God has designed his people to, to be together corporately. One of, the very, one of the very first signs of Christian discipline is showing up to worship with God's people. Faith expresses itself in worship. Let me give you another thing about faith, and we see in this woman, verse 25, faith is desperate. She knew her condition. Look at her there in verse 25. She is desperate. She has fell down at his feet. She understood her need, and the only one that could meet that need. It's good for us to understand our condition. That's why we build right into the worship service time of confession so that we confess to the Lord our condition and our need and how Jesus Christ meets that need. I mean, here's this woman. Every, every mother in this room understands this. She would do anything to save her daughter. 
You know what faith is? Faith is desperate. Faith, faith goes to all kinds of lengths. What else about faith? Let me tell you something about faith here. Faith is empathetic. That's another point. Faith is empathetic. Think, I, I give credit to Andy Davis and Durham for this. Faith is loving someone so much that you take that on. Here's what I mean. We see the picture of her praying to Jesus. She's asking Jesus on behalf of her little girl. If you go over to Matthew chapter 15 where this story is told, Matthew tells it from a Jewish background. He calls her a pagan. But what he says about her is that Jesus hears this woman and the woman says to Jesus, have mercy on me. She's asking for a little girl, but she's asking Jesus to have mercy. Why on her and not the little girl? She has so personalized her little girl's pain that it has become her own. There, there's some of you in here, you have prayed so hard for somebody, you love them so much that, that the pain has become yours. Here's what faith does. Faith pleads with God to the degree you are taking something on personally. You, you have the, in Matthew, you have the phrase, have mercy. Maybe she's asking for forgiveness. Maybe there's repentance involved. Mercy, what a great word, mercy. Don't, don't give me what I deserve. Isn't that what Christianity is, mercy? We don't get what we deserve, which is hell and punishment. We get heaven and grace through Christ. Let me give you another picture about faith. <clears throat> faith is focused in verse 26. Faith is focused. There's a lot working against this person. Several things. Let me just read it and I'll just tell you some things working against her. Verse 26, the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. She begged him to cast the demons out of her daughter. She got a lot working against her. First thing working against her is that she was a woman in that culture, in that culture. You've read the stories of Jesus talking to the woman at the well and the disciples were surprised, not only that he was talking to a woman, but a Gentile woman. She's a woman, she is Greek speaking, she is a pagan, she is a Gentile, she is from Tyre, the ancient enemy of Jews. And what's remarkable, Mark has lifted her up. She does not let cultural issues keep her from getting to Christ. This woman crosses all the barriers that have been put before her to be close to Christ. She does not offer up excuses. See what faith does? Faith is focused. You, you, you jump over things. Let me give you something else. You'll notice in, in verse 26, faith is, is uh, passionate. It's passionate. She's begging. You might even put persistent there. She, she's, she's, the text says she's begging Jesus. It's the, a verb that says once and over and over and over again, please, please, please. To pray without ceasing. 
To pray without ceasing honors God and grows you. Why does sometimes God delay in answering? Because he keeps us praying. Faith. Faith is humble. Faith is humble. There's another point about faith. <clears throat> faith is humble. Here we get to, to the crux. I think the most confusing part is verse 27, 28. I just can't. Anyway, I've looked at it. I just, I, am, I don't know why Jesus talked like that. Let me read it to you, verse 27, 28. <clears throat> he said to her, let the children, that is Israel, let the children be fed first. We know the gospel is the power to God, of God to the Jew first and the Gentiles. We know that the Bible teaches that. But the way he said it here, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She could have been offended. Man, we live in a world where people are so easily offended. She could have said, you're not going to talk to me like that. That was an insult. She, she could have turned around, stomped off. I don't like what they're doing in there. She instead placed herself under the unconditional lordship of Christ. She didn't even blink. Her pride gone. She has one thing she wants. She says, "Yes, Lord." What a what a what a what a confession. Un unoffended, unoffended by the hard things of Christ, unoffended by the word of God. Look, folks, this is where we are as, a, as, a, as, as believers in this world. We have hard things in the Bible to hold on to, and we live as unoffended by them. Faith is humble. Faith says, I don't deserve anything. I come under the unconditional lordship of Jesus. Faith, faith is reverent. <clears throat> reverent. Verse, verse 28, she says, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs, and they do it simultaneously. There's enough on the, the table of the Lord. There's enough bounty there that the children start to eat, and there's enough for even the dogs to eat. Yes, Lord. It's the only time in the Gospel of Mark recognizing his position, the position, position of Jesus, part of our call is to, is to recognize that, to have the attitude of this woman, to have this attitude in worship, in prayer, in our behavior, this understanding of reverence. Faith is reverent. Faith is, is rewarded, is rewarded. Verse 29 and 30 is, is when it happens, verse 28 tells us that she gives this really great response, this very witty response. Verse 29, he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. So Mark tells us she went home and found, verse 30, she went home, found the child lying in bed, and the demon is gone. Her faith in Jesus is rewarded. 
What you have here is a tangible, visible, tellable way for us to see the gospel. Have a, have a faith. What does the gospel tell us? We have a faith in God, but not just a faith in God. We have a faith in God's love. We have a faith in God's provision for us in Jesus. The gospel tells us that God loved us to the degree he gives us, gives us Jesus who lives and dies in our place. God raised him from the dead, and the gospel says, if you'll believe that, there's a reward. See, this text, when I look at this woman, it reminds me that Jesus honors genuine faith. That's one thing. That's, we, we've looked at this woman now. Now, just for a few moments, I, I want to look. It would be, would be wrong to not, we need to look at Jesus. What does this tell us about Jesus? So let's go to the second point. I'll make it quick. <clears throat> Number two, Jesus is honored by genuine faith. So the first point is Jesus honors that faith. Second point is the honor is going to Jesus. Jesus is honored by genuine faith. A couple of things I want you to see, three little points as we go through it. Verse 24, you'll notice that here in this passage, we have the humanity of Jesus on display. Verse 24 tells us before he goes this last segment of his earthly life, he's going to be going to the cross after this chapter. Verse 24 says he's looking for some rest and retreat. He wants to be alone before he goes to the cross. That's what verse 24 tells us. He arose and he went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He went into a house and he did not want anybody to know. Some of you say, yeah, that sounds like every day when I go home. You want to be away from people? Jesus did. Why is this important? Why is this here? This is here to remind us of the humanity of Jesus, that he was not just away from humanity. He's in humanity. He is human. That you will not face a sin or temptation that he didn't face for you and conquer That Jesus is faced with all of the temptations we are faced with, and yet he never fell. That's why we don't rely on our righteousness. We're trying to be perfect. No, we put our faith in the righteousness of Jesus who lived for us. Theologians used to call it the active obedience of Jesus. We don't just believe in Jesus dying in our place. We believe in Jesus living there's something on display. There's something else on display from Jesus. I want you to see his compassion on display. His compassion. Here he is wanting to be away. He is trying to have just a quiet couple of days and this Canaanite pagan woman, this desperate pagan woman, this nameless, desperate, unknown, non-Jewish woman comes and he grants her her wish. Compassion on display. Wonder what Jesus Christ thinks of his church planted here at Hickory Grove. The hundreds of people that are moving into the area and apartments going up and the reach three or four or five miles from this place where I'm standing. 
the compassion he views them with and how we should view the people coming into our region and how we should work to, to reach them. Why we do the, the missions thing that we're doing in October, that's not for show, that's for reaching people. Compassion of Jesus on display. I think the most remarkable thing, and I'll close with this one, I think the most remarkable thing is his omnipotence on display. Go back and see the miracle in verse 27, 28, and 29. Let me show it to you. <clears throat> he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right for, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she answered him, yes, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. He said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. I mean, when did that happen? He's in the midst of conversation with this woman. He didn't, he didn't cast it out. He didn't say anything. He didn't go there and put his hands on the little girl. While he's talking to this woman, sometime in this conversation, he just thought it, I guess. He just thinks it, and it's done. Careful how you talk about the Lord Jesus. Jesus doesn't try. Don't say Jesus is trying to get you to do something. Jesus does. There's no trying. He just thinks, you know, you, you and I are so much weaker than, than, than demons. The demons are so much powerful than us. But Jesus, he just has the thought in the midst of a conversation, and it's over. And this passage is here to, to see this woman's faith and emulate her faith and to see the power of Jesus. Your faith in Jesus is never Jesus honors genuine faith. Jesus is honored in genuine faith. This morning as we close together, I'm going to ask you to bow with me for a time of commitment and prayer and just listen as I, just listen as I direct us. I want you to believe Christ today. This passage has been here so that you will believe. I want you to believe for those of you sitting here, you are without Christ in the world. I want you to believe him. There are lots of you sitting here that you've been praying and praying and praying and nothing is happening. This is here to remind you, don't stop. Don't stop praying. This is here when you, for you. When you, think, when you think about Jesus, you need to think impossible things inconceivable thoughts about Jesus. There's nothing outside his reach. Nothing he can't do. This is here to remind us to, to trust him and to wait. To trust him. Wait. Father, thank you for this passage. 
for time together. Give us hearts that beat for the gospel. Find us faithful. Pray that you would see our faith and strengthen it. We pray that you're honored with our faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.